Greetings and salutations to you. It is Wednesday. It is the Sports Pan on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Thanks for hanging out with us. John Michael Hoefling from ABC10 in the studio with me. What's up, my man? Not much. Not much. Glad to be back here. Glad to talk some stuff. A lot of stuff that went down. My pack show is always. Always like to stay busy here in the sports world, and they always like to keep us busy. We've got the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs starting this evening. The NHL lottery draft was last night. Uh, But we start with what's been trending what's been breaking news since last night. Magic Johnson abruptly stepped away from his position as president of basketball operations of the Los Angeles Lakers. I still think it's the best thing that's happened yeah. to them all season. I was just going to say, I saw your tweet. Mm. Uh, you think it's? I think it's good, too. I, think I, just, yeah. I don't think any one man should have all that power, to quote Kanye West. It's it's weird how it went down, though. That's what makes me think there's got to be something more behind the scenes. I, I just feel like the way this happened, so abruptly with no warning, that there's something they're not telling us, although I can see it from Magic's point of view and the explanation he offered. He just wasn't having fun. You know, it was, it was a demotion to become the Lakers' president of operations. It was a demotion from being Magic Johnson, Laker legend, to being president of basketball operation yeah. for the Lakers. He wasn't having fun with it anymore, and he's too rich and successful not to have fun and enjoy life. Yeah, it's like when you're an artist and you love doing art, you love making it, and then as soon as somebody you become part of a corporation, they say, hey, you need to do this regularly, this. It starts becoming, it stops becoming a joy and starts becoming a hassle, right? And I think that's sort of the same thing that happened with Magic Johnson, is he went from basketball being his life and just enjoying being an icon, being a person, being a legend to, hey, you have to be a businessman now. We want you to take your love of basketball and apply it to helping the entire team. And it's like he already helped the team. Why does he need to go on and help them on the business end now? Here's a wild conspiracy theory. I don't believe it, but I want to throw it out there anyway because, you know, it's radio. Someone out there will probably believe it. I've got a few of those that are (laughs) out there. I'm not on board with this one, but maybe somebody out there is. Magic cited the tampering rules and the fines, what have you, that he's been hit with as a reason for stepping away. He said Russell Westbrook and what he did the other night, the 2020-20 game for Nipsey Hussle, he couldn't even tweet congratulations out to him because of tampering rules and that he wasn't having fun uh, in large part because of that. What if this is his way to get away from the Lakers? He's always going to be a Laker for life. This is his way to separate themselves legally and in the eyes of Adam Silver in the NBA. This is how he starts recruiting players to the Lakers. He's going to be an undercover agent for the Lakers. I don't think that's that much of a shoe-off theory. Yeah. Like, it makes sense, right? And I don't think he's doing it specifically for that. Mm-hmm. But I would think... You know, that's a benefit. That's definitely a perk. No. Anthony Davis is mine. Yeah. This is how he how he's able to get players to come to the Lakers without the NBA stepping in and saying, No, this is a tampering violation. Yeah, but I will say media media freedom is definitely a big thing, I feel like. I mean, Mm -hmm. I personally hate the fact that there's some things I can't say on Twitter and stuff like that. There's some topics I can't avoid, especially when it comes to sports. Like, I, um, I, I, when I was in the Bay Area, I could never talk bad about the Giants. <laughs> I could never talk bad about the Sharks. When I was in Minnesota, now you, you never mentioned the Wild being a, being a poor team, right? right. And uh, so we, we, we've, gotten to that, we, we've gotten to that point with media. And now he's going to step away from that. He's going to be able to say whatever he wants. He's no longer with the team in that sense so he can say anything he wants about hey he should come here he should go here and it's not going to 
have any sort of backlash, which I appreciate. Like, you don't want to make your fan base upset. I, there was a, like, or a couple of weeks ago, I did a Tigers 2019 preview video. Mm-hmm. But um, I said that they were going to, I predicted them finishing last in the division, mm-hmm. which I thought was a reasonable thing. But right. still, I got swarmed upon by just people, and it's like, it's like I want to be realistic. Right. But at the same time, I have to please uh, the people I am appealing to. To the Tigers' credit, they are off to a pretty good start they this are, season. The, the, but then again, credit. so are the Baltimore Orioles. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the Yankees aren't blowing neither people away. The neither is Baltimore. Uh, excuse me, neither is Boston. And Houston off to a little bit of a slow start. Colorado will worse start oh, than boy. the Giants. Mm-hmm. It's been a weird MLB yeah. season so far. Oh, yeah, topsy-turvy, man. But I tell you what, uh, sticking with Magic Johnson and the NBA. So Magic is free, uh, but there's a lot of dysfunction with the Lakers because they don't know who's going to be the new team president, if they're even going to keep that as a position, or they would just dissolve it and give the uh, job description to uh, the general manager, which, again, we don't know if Ron Palenka is going to come back next season. We don't know if Luke Walton, his head coach, will come back next season. Coaching staff prior to this fully expected to be fired this offseason, and suddenly there's speculation as to whether they will be or not. Now it's all up to Jeannie Buss because you've got to reorganize one of the greatest franchises in all of sports, and you've got to get players who want to come play with LeBron, which has been a struggle. It has been a struggle. I don't think you're going to grab Kyrie. Kyrie's no. you're, you're not. <laughs> I think the worst thing they could do is give LeBron the power that he had in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. The worst thing, right? Mm-hmm. Giving him the sort of president of basketball operations title where it's just, hey, I want this player, I want this player, let's go get him. That turns it into a madhouse. and It's already the Los Angeles Lakers. It's already this huge spotlight on them. It's already big baller brand there, right? So... The worst thing they could do is say, hey, LeBron, it's your team now. Just just build it. Mm-hmm. That's not a way to win championships. No. I think the Lakers will make the playoffs again next year. Do you? Yeah, absolutely. If the Lakers were a playoff team, or if LeBron was not a member of the Lakers, do you think Magic would have retired? No, I think he's a big part of the reason why it became less fun. Yeah. Because you have a guy like LeBron, you grab LeBron, and all of a sudden, the blame doesn't shift from having bad players. It shifts to management. Who's at the forefront of the management? The Lakers have a lot of questions to answer right now. Kyrie Irving, they're probably not going to get him. They're not no. going to get Clay Thompson. They're not no. going to get Kevin Durant, certainly. No. Uh, who are they going to get? Like, What would be a success? What would you call a success for the Lakers this offseason through free agency? What's the caliber player that they need to pick up? They need like a Kevin Love-type player. In that somebody who can score, and can uh, somebody who can score is a big meaty hunk of points in the center of in the center of the court, but will not take shots away from LeBron James and will not take possession away from LeBron James. Maybe like a Julius Randle type player. <laughs> I mean, perhaps. <laughs> I, I think more LeBron has always worked as like a point guard style forward, right? Mm-hmm. And I've said it multiple times, even on this show, it's a point guard league. Yeah. Right? You need somebody who can take the ball down court. LeBron can do that. So when you have that already, you need people uh, from that point. Once you have the point guard, then you can get somebody like an Anthony Davis. And then you can get somebody like a Kevin Love. Then you can get somebody like a DeMarcus Cousins. I think DeMarcus Cousins would be a great fit. I do too. Yeah. I think if there's one guy in the league who can handle DeMarcus's personality, it's LeBron. Yeah. 
It probably is. I could totally see the fit. He'll win his ring this year with the Warriors, and then he'll go somewhere that wants to pay him. And the Lakers presumably would be that kind of team. Do they need to cut ties with the young guys that they're willing to trade? Because ever since it was made known that they were expendable, those guys just didn't play like they used to. You know, they played hard for Luke Walton, and then they realized, you know, they aren't necessarily unwelcome there, but they're expendable do they have a future with those? Like, can those bridges be rebuilt, or have they been burned beyond repair? They haven't been burned. Obviously, they're still there. And obviously, unless they want to destroy their entire basketball careers, they'll continue to play hard. They'll continue to work, despite not being wanted, so to speak. Because the Lakers have made it clear, and I think the players have made it clear, that they're not winning a championship mm-hmm. with this core. Right. Like, you look at some of the pieces that LeBron has had around him, and it's not close when you compare the guys he has right now. You know, I mean, Kuzma's a good ball player. Kuzma can help you out. Uh, but then you've got maybe Josh Hart as your next most consistent option. I, like I don't KCP. know about best. You like KCP? I like KCP. Ooh, I don't know. What do you like about KCP? I'm not a big fan of him. KCP, well, I like him and Brandon Ingram. The two I don't of, like either of them. <laughs> Brandon, uh, Brandon Ingram, I feel like, is one of those underrated players. He he can defend so well, and he I like his shooting is a little bit off, right? Mm-hmm. He, he can't shoot the three, or he can a little bit, but he he can barely shoot the three. But on offense, he's a facilitator. He does so well off ball and on defense. He's great one on one, and when he has to switch, he struggles on pick and rolls and stuff like that. But Brandon Ingram is one of those guys where even when uh, last year when Lonzo got drafted and everybody was like, oh, they should have drafted Jason Tatum, right? I was sitting there like, he would. I would have personally still started Brandon Ingram. Why would you draft Jason Tatum when you have a guy like Brandon Ingram? Who, you wouldn't pick Tatum over Ingram, though? And when, when he got drafted, no. Uh, like, hmm. personally, when if I was the Lakers and I saw who I had and I was like, all right, we need, uh, what do we need? Well, we have Brandon Ingram, and we well we have uh, a good small forward in Jason Tatum available in the draft. Well, who do we have at small forward right now? We have Brandon Ingram. Yeah, I don't think we need to rebuild at that spot right now. That's how I would look at it. The biggest thing, though, and you brought it up, is the three point shooting, and they're a terrible three point shooting mm-hmm. team. The Lakers right now getting Tatum over Ingram would fill a giant void that they have from that aspect, their ability to shoot the three, because Lance Stevenson is really their only consistent threat from downtown. But, you know, the past is the past. What do they do now? Like, they need to be a better three-point shooting team next season. Which is why I think they need to go hard, 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 hard for Klay Thompson. You think that there's any shot they can lure him away? No. Klay has said on multiple occasions that he's willing to take a pay cut. He wants to stay a warrior for his entire career. Who would be a sharpshooter that's at least realistic that the Lakers... Because, I mean, they need one. They need some kind of shooting guard. They need to be able to shoot the three ball better than Lance Stevenson. You want to talk about a realistic three-point shooter? Like, I think that would fit a lot of, fill a lot of holes is Anthony Davis. Because mm. Anthony Davis can't shoot the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can. Uh, if we're talking just straight-up, like, small man, I don't even know if there's a, an elite one available right now. What about Kyle Korver? You think there's any chance they could bring him in? Kyle Korver is a role player at this point in his career. Yeah, but they need somebody who can shoot. The, he doesn't have to be a superstar. I mean, you can bring in a guy on a veteran's minimum and just give your team a little bit of an opportunity like, to be well, able to shoot from behind the arc. Okay. it's a three. Po- can we agree that it's a three-pointer league? and It's a point guard league and it's a three-point league. Yeah. Right? It's all about shooting three, and it's all about being, being able to facilitate an offense. Mm-hmm. 
Kyle Korver doesn't uh, – he shoots the three, but he doesn't facilitate an offense, mm-hmm. right? Right. So that's the one thing about – he's on the Jazz right now. And Donovan Mitchell can bring the ball up court. Mm-hmm. He's fine for facilitating an offense, which is why Kyle Korver works in their system. But even mm-hmm. with him working in the system, even with them already having somebody to bring the ball up court, he's still coming off the bench. So when you have – when you put him in the Lakers system, if you don't have that guy that can bring the ball up court, he's not going to work at all because he's just going to be sitting in the corner – Hoping that some that enough off ball stuff happens to where he can get an open or he can get an uncontested look from three, and it's just not going to happen. But isn't it a product of what the Lakers have right now? Like their guys bringing the ball up the floor, the point guards they feel the need to take on the point guard and shooting guard roles. You know, if you free up your point guards, give them the opportunity to facilitate, and you know that you've got that sharp shooting option waiting for you on the wings. I I just feel like that can help the Lakers next season taking that pressure off. You know, they'll facilitate, but they don't need to be both the facilitator and the sharpshooter. No, that would help. I mean, it's obviously great to have multiple scoring options, but Kyle Korver isn't what he used to be. He's atrocious. He's a liability on defense. And I will say, that's one thing about the Warriors. The Warriors have been able to build this thing because they have so many good scoring options, but none of that matters when you have no defense. But then you have guys like Draymond, who have consistently been regarded as one of the best defensive players, even though he's apparently overrated, according to the uh, player poll that just came out. And then uh, and then you got Clay, who people say is one of the best defenders. Steph is amazing when it comes to steals. Kevin Durant has is very lengthy and gets very good blocks. And you have Andrew Bogut, who prior to these past two years was their center, and just that glue in the middle that sort of held the defense together. And now he he's back. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins isn't the best defender. I think he's all right at the rim, but... Every one of those players serves a purpose on defense. Tanner Hoops, John Michael, Hoefling in the studio with you. We owe you our first time out when we come back. Good send-offs last night for Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowinski, plus Pistons are still on the bubble. Final day of the NBA regular season. We break it down next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops. John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad that you're with us on your Wednesday afternoon. Good way to send out Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki last night. We knew it would be Wade's last home game going into the evening. We did not know that was going to be Dirk's, we assumed, but Dirk made it official after the game. Speaking to Dwayne in the heat, I've never seen such a celebration for a team that just got eliminated from the postseason as what we saw last night, but... Good for Dwayne. Good way to send him out. Good way for Dirk. I like them both, and I'm going to miss them both. It was like an Adele concert. A little bit. Just so much, like, sadness, but it was so bittersweet. Taylor you know? Swift. No, 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 no. Taylor, I, I get down with Taylor Swift. I, I like Taylor Swift. I've been to Taylor Swift in concert. But, really? Yeah, but, you know, her songs are mostly about her being miserable. That's yeah, Well, that's, that's sort of like, <laughs> I always wonder what Adele concerts were like. Right. Like, yeah, because... It's just uh, all all their stuff is about sadness, but it's still people enjoying it all the time, right? I've never been to an Adele concert. I, I feel like Sam Smith, he'd probably put on a show like that. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it was, right? It's just like everybody was so happy to see this legend retire happy and just enjoy the rest of his life. But at the same time, he's going to be gone now, at least for Dwayne Wade. And then when it comes to Dirk, Dirk... Brought a different legacy, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Dirk changed the game. I don't think Dwayne Wade changed the game. Mm-hmm. Dwayne was great, don't get me wrong. Right. But 
But Dirk, Dirk was that bridge from Europe. Yeah, he was not only that bridge from Europe, he was a seven-footer that shot three-pointers. Mm-hmm. He holds the, He's the tallest person ever to have at least 1,500 three-pointers. Mm-hmm. He brought a sense of, like, big guys don't just have to hang around the rim. They can shoot, which opened the doors for guys like Anthony Davis and guys like, I mean, sort of LeBron James. I mean, he's yeah. not a great shooter, I would say. Guys like that. I tell you, tell you what, um, the way that Dirk did go out, how he waited until the final regular season home game to announce his retirement, what do you make of that? It almost seemed like he was contemplating coming back next year, but the league and the team were doing all these send-offs. You know, Doc Rivers stops the Clippers crowd, has them applaud him uh, with nine seconds left in the last game. They would play against him. The league makes him an honorary all-star. It's like, Dirk was leaving the door open. Maybe I'll come back. But the league is kind of saying, dude, do yourself a favor. Let a new generation come in. Please, Here, you know, here's the door. They're yeah, kind of it, trying it, to force it, him it's out. It's not his team anymore. It's Lucas, right? Right. Um, I, I mean, probably. That probably had something to do with it. I think mm-hmm. a big part was uh, probably didn't want he didn't want the season to be overshadowed by... I mean, you have this new great... European player coming in, and he's having this incredible season. What if the entire storyline the whole year wasn't, oh, Luke is doing so great, but the storyline was, this is Dirk's last season. This mm-hmm. is his last time taking on the Lakers. And every single game, there was like, oh, this is going to be his last whatever, you know? If that's the case, I give Dirk a lot of credit because there's not a lot of guys who would pass up the opportunity for the spotlight. But he, he, I feel like he's had enough of the spotlight. Uh, and he's he's a good guy. Based on all accounts, he is just a good, classy guy. So he's not only going to be somebody that we're going to miss as a player, but as you know, a guy that we get to see. Well, maybe we'll see him often. I don't know what Dirk's looking at for the who future. Knows? Maybe he'll become like a, the Maverick. He'll help Mark Cuban or something. Yeah, why not? He can be like special assistant to the yeah. GM. Yeah. They always make positions like that for yeah. former players. I think around. the Mavericks are going to be great for years to come. They're, they're building themselves up to Chris, be something I special. I love Harrison Barnes. You yeah. got Kristaps. You got, you got Luka. I think DeAndre Jordan is still a defensive force. Like, mm-hmm. I, they have four strong. I don't know how they're as bad as they are. Right. Yeah. And they, they, I mean, they're well coached with Rick Carlisle. Mm-hmm. I do like him as a head coach. I know they've gone through a few down years, but he is the guy that you want running your team when you've got something young that you're building up. Yeah, I think if they kept Dennis Smith Jr. in the Kristaps deal, yeah. they'd be they'd be set. Mm-hmm. They'd be set. But alas, right? They're a team that's trying to get back to the finals for the first time since 2011, and I mean they're they're going to be up there here. Might be a few mm-hmm. years, maybe maybe a couple. But they're going to be a team the, that will As contend. long as the Warriors are intact, they have those core three. They'll be. It's going to be tough. Well, I tell you what, we've got this year's finals to look forward to, uh, look ahead to, and today is the last day of the regular season. Still one playoff spot up for grabs. Pistons with a chance to lock it up this evening. They would need a win or a Charlotte loss, and Detroit will be heading to the playoffs. They'll be heading across the lake to Milwaukee and play the Bucks in the first round. That sucks, huh? In that, you know, here's your prize. You know, you get to play the 60-win Milwaukee Bucks. Well, it's not only that, but it's just, you know, everybody here is either a Piston or a Bucks fan. It's just oh, they got to face, face each other in the first round, though. I'd like I to know. They're going to get in probably as a 500 team, maybe just below 500. I wish it was like a... I don't wish that the Bucks were like a four seed, but I wish these were two teams that were like closer as far as the standings because kind of loses its luster, this rivalry that we know the Bucks are going to win this series. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'd kind of like to see it be a competitive series just for the fan atmosphere around here, but 
we know who's going to be winning this series. At this point, I don't think there's any team in the East that can stand up to the Bucks. Really? Yeah, the, the playoffs always seem to be who's got the most star power. Like, mm-hmm. even when LeBron was a 4C with the Cavs last year, nobody could stand up to them. I mean, the Celtics could, but they didn't even have Irving at that point. And if it wasn't for the epic heroics of Brad Stevens and Terry Rozier, I don't think they would have lasted seven games. Mm-hmm. The, the playoffs always seem to be who's got the best player or mm-hmm. who, who's, which player is the hottest. And nobody, nobody in the East is even close to the same level as Giannis. And I would agree, man. Yeah, and he's my if, MVP pick. Yeah, he's my MVP pick too. I mean, he. Yeah, we. I could go. I could go on and on about <laughs> him, but Harden does not deserve it. But. No, no. And let's not kid ourselves. Paul George isn't in the conversation anymore. I mean, he's no. up there, but he's not. He'll, he'll win finish it. third. Right. But come on. I mean, yeah. Uh, Giannis will win the MVP, or he should win the MVP. Um, no, I don't know. I think I still think Boston's got all the talent there to be something special. They've got to put it together. I mean, there's they something have they haven't the figured out. I know, the but they've got the talent there. At some point, you know, going through adversity maybe in the postseason, I know they're going to get well, a little so bit of that like, with Indiana. That's like what their adversity was last year, was losing Gordon Hayward and losing Kyrie. And now they don't have that. Now it's, I mean, we came into the season, everybody was like, oh, who's going to beat them? Although, mm-hmm. like, no one's going to touch them. They took the Cavs to seven games without Kyrie and Gordon, and now it's like they don't have that same sort of chip on their shoulder. Everybody was projecting so many things, and they're falling short. Well, they they're not consistent is one of their biggest things. If they can play consistently to at least three-fourths their team potential, I mean, they're about as good as anybody in the East. I still think Boston's got the team that could challenge Milwaukee, Toronto, Philadelphia, their powers in the East, but they just flat out don't have the depth or, frankly, the talent at the top that Milwaukee has. Hot take. Mm -hmm. I think the Pacers are going to bounce the Celtics. You do? Yeah. Okay. Why is that? The Pacers just work together. They have moved on from Paul George. They don't need him anymore. And they have built a new identity, and they work for that common goal. Whereas Boston doesn't. Everybody, every player seemingly has their own agenda, beside maybe Gordon Hayward and Al Horford. Every player is working towards something different. Kyrie is on his way out. That's an entire other media circus happening. Indiana is so sound. They are quiet. They're like the Boston is like the loud, drunk guy in the in the kung fu movie that talks a huge game. And Indiana is like the wise monk that just sits there and doesn't say a word until he has to fight, you know? And I feel like Indiana is just... And even though Boston might have the bigger names, might have more of a reputation, Indiana is just sitting there knowing that they have a good good chance to make something of themselves right now. I can't poke holes in that argument. I hope you're wrong because they've moved on from Paul George. They've even moved on midseason from Oladipo. If somebody put a gun to my head and said, name four players from the Pacers if you want to live, I don't think I could do it. I, I don't know. A mile, you got Miles Turner. Yeah. Uh, Bojan Bogdanovic. I mean, who else? Brandon Knight? Is he on, is he on I, the I don't know. Uh, either way. So I, I'm dead. I'm probably dead, yeah. too. I couldn't do it. I mean, yeah. but they do have that team chemistry, and that's so big in today's game because Boston – arguably has the most talented roster top to bottom in all the NBA. I mean, they mm-hmm. arguably do, yet they just can't put it together. They don't have that team chemistry. I think Brad Stevens has sort of lost his luster as well. He's certainly not coaching as well as he did last year. 
or mm-hmm. maybe even a couple of years ago. I thought he was going to be a shoe in for Coach of the Year. Yeah. Last year, he should have got it. I agree. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know what goes into the minds of a lot of these voters. Um, we got a little bit of a tangent. We were talking about the Pistons and Bucks potentially and slid over to the Celtics. Keep in mind, Pistons haven't clinched yet. They'll have a chance to do that tonight with a win or a Charlotte loss. Good thing for them, uh, the Pistons are playing the Knicks. So, yeah. got a shot to get into the postseason. A pretty good shot as well. Uh, took care of business last night, first and foremost, against Memphis, winning 100-93. Andre Drummond continues to be a double-double machine. What do the Pistons need to do tonight? I mean, is it as simple as you've got a really bad Knicks team that's won 17 yeah, games? Basically, Just go take care of business. Yeah, don't, don't beat yourselves. Don't mm-hmm. turn the ball over. If you don't turn the ball over, they can't score. No. Man- manage the clock. Don't let – make this a low-scoring game. I feel, I feel like the best way to win this one is you have you're, – you're better at every position. Man mm-hmm. for man, right? The Pistons are just better at every position. Right. Manage the clock and – manage the clock and don't make it a high-scoring affair. If you, if you play a defensive game, they can't match up to you on defense. They can't match up to you on offense. This game should end up being like 90-74 to 74 mm-hmm. or something like that. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling in the studio with you. We owe you another timeout when we come back. Major League Baseball's had its ups and downs. Topsy Turvey talked about a little early on. We'll talk about it more next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Here's your Sports Center update. The Minnesota Timberwolves are finalizing deals to retain both head coach Ryan Saunders and GM Scott Layden. Last night, 39-year-old Jamal Crawford scored 51 points, becoming the oldest player in NBA history to reach the 50-point threshold in a single game. And finally, Minnesota Twins utility player Williams Ostadio broke Ty Cobb's record for career batting average through 35 games, needing the minimum number of at-bats to qualify. He is hitting 374 through his first 35 career games minimum as 107 at-bats. Williams Ostadio, La Tortuga, breaks Ty Cobb's record. I don't know if I'd ever would have thought that. It's great to see. Isn't it great? I love it. He looks like a young Bartolo Colon. I was just going to say And Bartolo that. was skinny when he was William Ostadio's age. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing. But I love Williams Ostadio as a Twins fan. He's quickly becoming a fan favorite. Twins are having La Tortuga night coming up. Oh, yeah. Hey, man, he's so much fun to watch. He's one of those guys that is athletic and looks so unathletic, it almost makes you mad, kind of like Phil Kessel. It's just so weird. <laughs> Zach Randolph. Maybe. Zach Randolph. Yeah. There are some guys that are just the most unath... Uh, Vladi Duvak just got inducted into the oh, Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, Does yeah. he look like an athlete? Like, if you saw him on the street, take away his height, would you think this guy's a professional athlete? Nah, maybe a bouncer. Right. Yeah. I mean, a bouncer at a hookah bar or something like that. <laughs> I mean, just based on what he looks like. Uh, good segue into baseball here in the sports pen. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. A lot of surprises in the early going. Maybe the most surprising thing for me happened last night where the Angels rallied without Mike Trout and they beat the Brewers. That was kind of surprising it's for happen. me. going to happen. I mean, baseball, anything can happen, right? Mm-hmm. Except in the playoffs. Pitching always wins. Yeah. I will say, if there's one thing that's going to be the downfall of the Brewers, they're starting pitching because yeah. starting pitching dominates games and whatnot. And I think that the Angels did have the better starting pitching matchup. But as you said, it was a rally. Without Mike Trout. Mm-hmm. Mike Trout so, injured in the fourth inning, didn't come back. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be weird, and we're always going to have stuff like that, but 
don't know. I just want to see good baseball, man. Well, I tell you what, I was worried about the Twins last night going into that game. I saw they were going against Jacob DeGrom, and I thought, oh boy, this is going to be a long night. And they end up taking him yard five times. In fact, Mitch Garver, one of the backup catchers for Minnesota, became just the third player to hit multiple home runs in a game off DeGrom. He joins John Carlos Stanton and Mark Teixeira. So, Pretty good company to be a part uh, yeah, of. Yeah, it's all right, you know. Oh, that's not a bad group to be yeah, a part yeah. of. A couple of future Hall of Famers in there. Which is more surprising to you? Whose start that's propelled them to the height of their division is more surprising? Tampa Bay at 9-3 and three, or Seattle at 11-2? and two? Seattle. Yeah. The way they're hitting home runs. Mm, yeah, no, no doubt. Seattle got rid of Nelson Cruz. Mm-hmm. Got rid of Gene Segura. Mm-hmm. Got rid of Mike Zanino. <laughs> Uh, who was, you know, wasn't the best hitter, but by all means he had could, a lot he of could power. Hit a long ball, yeah. A lot of power. They got, rid of, they got, they got Edwin Encarnacion, mm-hmm. then got rid of him. Um, wasn't there very long. I didn't yeah. have Carlos Santana, and he never yeah, played a game for him. Yeah. They ended up they, dealing him. I, is it, I didn't think Mitch Hanniger could carry, could carry an offense no. that, like, like he is. Mm-hmm. Hanniger, Vogelbach, those are your mm-hmm. big names, and apparently it's a team full of boomsticks. They set an MLB record for most home runs in their first 12 games, and they're suddenly out to the best record in baseball, 11-2 and two start. Yeah, I've always liked Ryan Healy, like even, yeah. when was, even when he was on the A's, but I did not think he had this in him mm-hmm. as well. The, the, I, the Rays didn't surprise me. The, yeah. Ra- the Rays had one of the best records in baseball after the All-Star break last year, ever since they had adopted that whole... Oh, we have an opener who goes two innings and whatnot. Ever since then, they have one of the best records in baseball. But the Mariners, I feel like they always do this. Weren't they one of the best teams in the league at the start of the season last year, too? I think they got off to a fairly decent start. I think everyone knew that it was going to be Houston's division, and it ended up being Oakland, who was the second hottest team. Mm -hmm. But Seattle gave us a little bit of false hope, or at least gave Mariner fans false hope early on last year. I don't know, because for me, I've always loved, or for a couple of years now, I've loved how Seattle's team is built. Mm-hmm. And this is the one year where I was like, okay, you know, they're sort of backing off and everything. They don't have the pitching. Like, even with Kikuchi, I don't think that they're going to get it. Paxton's out. Yeah, Felix pa- is pa- on in the decline. Uh, Hisashi Iwakuma isn't the same guy. Yep. They, um, they got rid of Edwin Diaz. Uh, Robinson Cano's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, this is the year where I'm – because for the past four years I've been like, this is the Mariners' year where they're going to get to the playoffs. They might not beat the Astros, but they're going to get to the playoffs. And then this year I was like, all right, they're going to come fourth in the division. I still think that's going to be the case because, like, there's no way Baltimore when like, like has a great year. Right. right. There's no way Detroit – sorry, guys, but there's no way Detroit keeps this up. Right? right. And I feel like the same thing can be said for the Phillies and the Mariners. I mean, how many games do we give it before we say they're for real? Whose three wins start to the season about two weeks in is more surprising to you? The Rockies at 3-9 and nine or the Cubs at 3-7? and seven? That's a tough one. It is a tough one because we were both – these two teams played in the playoffs last year. We mm-hmm. were expecting them to be back. I, I think the Cubs – I thought the Cubs were going to win the division this year. I and thought I, Milwaukee, but the Cubs would be a team that, you know, yeah. we, we did expect to contend for it, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Because also this was the one time where this was the year where I, I personally I think LA is on the decline. Mm-hmm. Kershaw's not this Kershaw's not the same guy that he was. Jansen has had struggles the past couple of years. Corey Seager's getting hurt, losing Manny Machado. Yes, they'll have Justin Turner for a full year, but Chris Taylor's not the same guy. Right. Cody Bellinger wasn't the same. So I thought this was the year that Colorado really strutted their stuff and you know just gave Arenado that extension. Uh, they were trying for something. I, I think Kyle Freeland's year was 
a little bit of a fluke. Mm -hmm. But still, nonetheless, I thought he was going to have a great year. The way Colorado's built, they're almost like a poor man's Milwaukee Brewers team because they don't have the starting pitching, just like Milwaukee, and they certainly don't have the bats that Milwaukee has. They they don't have the bullpen that Mm -hmm. Milwaukee has. I think they have the bats. Nobody has the bullpen Milwaukee Uh, has. I I would say they have the bats. I I would... Say Arenado as good as Milwaukee though. I, I would, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that Arenado is at least comparable to Christian Yelich. He's comparable, but he's not on the same level. But is there anybody on Milwaukee who brings the same level as like other than Yelich? Is there anybody? Is there a second best player on the same level as Trevor Story or Charlie Blackman? I don't know if they have that. Or but David it's almost, Dahl. Well, it's almost like the way that the Bucks are set up. That, that that seems to be a good thing. I like their depth too. Just the ability yeah. to where Ryan Braun doesn't have to be in the starting lineup every day. They right. can move Jesus Aguilar out, put Travis Shaw at first, or put Mike Mustakas at first. I, I love that. The only cod, the only thing that's really like holding them down right now, I think, is Orlando Arcia, and he's mm-hmm. had a good start to the year as well. So, I, I will say that I think depth is a big thing in baseball, especially in a 162 game season. And Milwaukee has it. Yeah. Milwaukee has it over any team. In the National League, in my opinion. The Phillies are out to a 7-3 and three start. They lead Atlanta by half a game in the NL East. Are the Phils for real? No. No? No. Why is that? Just because I don't like Bryce Harper. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 obviously, I think they're for real. Mm. I mean, I don't want to say it, but yeah, they're for real. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's because of Bryce Harper. I think it's more because of the acquisitions of... Or, or I think it's more because of the heroics of JT Realmudo. Mm-hmm. I love Gene Segura. I love the addition of Gene Segura. Yeah. I love that. He's a huge table setter. This is what I said about, okay, this is what I think about Bryce Harper on that team. He, his stats will say he had a great year. Mm-hmm. He will probably lead the league, lead the National League in RBIs. Mm-hmm. But that does not mean he had a good year. Well, he's, he's, he's got a lot of table setters yeah, in front of him. I, JT Realmudo is undoubtedly, undoubtedly the best catcher in baseball. Mm-hmm. If you put him at first base and made him just a, a, a pure first baseman, he would probably compete for an all-star spot. Yeah. Then you got Gene Segura, mm-hmm. who year after year is one of the most overlooked shortstops in the league. Continually has a great average. Doesn't walk a lot, but is great at stealing bases, great at getting on base, er, great at getting hits, extra base hits, getting in scoring position. He's fantastic. Odubel Herrera is great at getting on base. And mm-hmm. then you have Bryce Harper coming up and cleaning clean everything up. Bryce Harper will hit 240 with 31 bombs and 130 RBIs. That does not mean he had a good year. And he'll be an all-star. Yeah, he, he, he <laughs> has to be an all-star every year. Uh, I'm a huge Reese Hoskins fan. I, I like love him Reese, a lot. I, I love him too. Yeah. Great power bat in the middle yeah. of the lineup. And Andrew McCutcheon still got something yeah. left in the tank. Very, very so, much, great very much so. Yeah, they, uh, they're going to be a team that's going to contend for the East. I think they're going to win it. I think I, Atlanta's not going to be far behind. I, I don't think they're going to win it. I think it's the best division in baseball this year. Arguably it is. I mean, because even the Mets are a strong team now. I didn't think the Mets would be good, but you know they're over 500 in the early going. They can pitch. I don't know that they have you know bats to compete. I mean, I mean Robinson could know They're now. not bad, but they're not able to compete in that division, I would say. Okay. So that's fair enough. I have them coming fourth in that division, too. But I, I still think that it's the Nationals' division to lose. Really? Just everywhere along the board. Full, full seasons from Juan Soto and Victor Robles. Uh, I think Anthony Rendon is great. Trey Turner, if he can get, get back and they're still somewhat in the running, he's going to come back and provide an extra spark. 
I mean, Kurt Suzuki's a great catcher, too. Uh, he's still got some left in the tank. Best starting pitching in the division uh, across the board. A bullpen that is good but not great, but still, I'd say it's like fifth best in the National League, so it's still great. It's still pretty good. Uh, across the board, they are built to win this division. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling in the studio with you. We owe you our last time out when we come back. We finally drop the puck on the Stanley Cup playoffs this evening. What to watch for next in the sports pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad to have you with us. We turn our attention to the ice, the NHL, and we drop the puck in the Stanley Cup playoffs this evening. Five games, Columbus and Tampa, Pittsburgh and New York, St. Louis and Winnipeg, Dallas and Nashville, Vegas and San Jose. I know you're a fan of one of the teams in there, as am I. Try to be unbiased as possible. Which one's the most compelling game to you? I would say Tampa Bay and Columbus. Really? Not because I I think it's going to be close. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I think it's how Tampa Bay is going to set the table for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If they lose the first game, I don't. there's no question that they're going to win the series, right? But if they lose the first game, that's sort of like, oh, maybe they're not the same team. Maybe the pressure is getting to them in the playoffs. I just want to see how they handle this. This e- supposed to be easy first round for them, right? Right. And Columbus does have a pretty good team, I'd say, but they, don't, they haven't put it together yet. Mm-hmm. So... How does Tampa Bay handle this first-round matchup? If if this goes even six games, I'd say, oh, they're done. Right. The, I, I don't think they're going to get it. They don't. They just don't have it in them. They're not the same team in the playoffs. And I think this first game is going to be a, a predicament of that. You think back to last year, Washington was down 2 nothing in the first round of the playoffs. They came back. They played Columbus, by the way. They came back to win the entire thing. But unlike Tampa Bay this year, they didn't have the expectation of being the team that's going to win the Cup. Tampa Bay comes in with all the pressure on them. They went 62-16 and 16 this year. Most wins ever. Or right. Most wins ever, Tied yeah. the 96 Red Wings. And if they don't win the Cup this year, it's going to go down as one of the biggest failures in hockey history. 73-9 and nine Golden State Warriors looking at you. <laughs> but it's exactly that. They have the history. They are very, very, very much alike to the 2008 Red Wings who ended up winning the Cup. Mm-hmm. They need to. They have they, to. They yeah. need to. If Washington came into last year's postseason with the, oh, you know, they're a good team, but they're going to fall to Pittsburgh. They're not the same mm-hmm. as the Lightning. They don't have it in them. Like, what more are you going to do? If they're, like, they're like the Dodgers lately, you know. Mm-hmm. How are you going to build a better team if you can't win with this one? I don't know how they get better. Like, where do you go into the offseason? Where do you hit the drawing board and say, this is where we need to get better to win a cup? I mean, where do they need to improve if they don't win this year? I can't think of like I can't think of a single spot, right? Right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe like third line defense. <laughs> I don't know. I think they could get better on their penalty kill. Yeah. But that's the only spot, right? Well, and the thing is, they're playing Columbus here in the opening round, and it's it's going to be a good test uh, because of the way that Columbus is set up. I know that they're the eight seed overall in the East, but. The matchup could be a tough one for Tampa Bay because you've got Bobrovsky, who can be a top-tier mm-hmm. goalie when he wants to be. You've got some guys that can score the puck on the top couple of lines for Columbus. They're not deep by any stretch, but they've got some top-tier scores, and they've got a couple of defensemen that can really make you pay. Seth Jones leads a pretty good D-man group over there. So they're not deep by any stretch, mm-hmm. but they're top-heavy, and the guys they have at the top yeah. make them dangerous. Yeah, I will say this was a team that 
wasn't anything, and then built up at the trade deadline. Everybody was like, oh, you, they're going to be a lot better, and didn't really come come out of it, didn't never really put it all together. Those are the scary teams, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the teams where you're like, okay, they never put it all together, but what if they start to put it all right. together, right? So I think Columbus could be scary. I don't think they are. Mm-hmm. I think they'll get ousted in four. In, Do you in really? Nine. I think it'll be a sweep. So in a, at ABC10, we all like put together a bracket. I have Tampa Bay winning the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Four, five, five, four. Winning the Stanley Cup mm-hmm. in four over the San Jose Sharks. What? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, Tampa's got to be the favorite. I mean, there, there's no close well, number if you two. look at the Vegas betting odds, right. I'll tell you who's second right now. The San Jose Sharks, which I 100% disagree with. Really? Yeah. Why? They won three games in their last ten. Yeah. They did win their last two, but that means they won one and seven before that. And their last two games were sort of at the point where... Nobody really had anything to fight for. I get the feeling that they have very much oversold the Nashville Predators. Their best team was two years ago. That was their chance to win the Cup. I don't know if they're getting past the conference semifinal right this year. They're not getting past the Jets, in my opinion. No. Or the Blues. And the the Jets have been been underrated. The Blues and the Jets, I think, are the best teams coming out of the West right now. And they play each other tonight in the first round. I mean, that's going to be a dogfight series. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do give the edge to Winnipeg there. I think that they have the capability to be in the conference finals this year. Uh, Calgary has got to be the favorite in the West right now, at least for me. I'm thinking Calgary's the favorite, but I don't think they're going to win it. You know, they just, they don't have that postseason mentality. It's been a great season for them, but I don't think they're going to end up going to the finals. I think they'll make the conference finals and lose. Yeah, any team that relies on a 35-year-old Mark Giordano (laughs) is skating on thin ice. Well, they got Goudreau. Yeah, they have Goudreau, but he hasn't been their best player this year. It's it's how far can you go when you're? Uh, it's like the Detroit Tigers. If Miguel Cabrera was hitting, or no, 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 a better better example would be the uh, Anaheim Angels. Okay, they're relying on Mike Trout, and it's like, yeah, he's great, he's doing spectacular, but you can't you can't win with just that one guy. Uh, no matter how great he's been this year, uh, you can't win. Tommy Lastella was looking pretty good with the boomstick last night. <laughs> <laughs> he's still around. Uh, Truth be told, I did not know Tommy Lastella played for the Angels before last night. Uh, their second base spot rotates. All yes, the time. it does. Uh, yeah, it's one of the most inconsistent spots in all of sports. Ever since Howie Kendrick left, yeah, it's I been inconsistent Kendrick. there. I I liked him. He was yeah. a good guy. It was supposed to be Ian Kinsler, and that didn't work out. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, looking around a few of the other matchups in the first round, uh, Nashville has Dallas. I'm easy, easy a little surprised Dallas is you know. It has had the success that they've had this year. Mm-hmm. I know they've got some talent, but they're kind of like a poor man's version of Columbus. You know, they're top heavy, but they're not as talented on top as Columbus is. Probably a I, I don't five think, game series. I don't think any of the one any of the one seeds are going to lose in the first round. No, no. I think Tampa's going to win it in five. I think Columbus will get one game. Okay. Uh, there will be one night I think where Bobrovsky looks really good. Uh, Dallas, they'll probably get one against Nashville. Vegas and San Jose. Um, seven that one, game series. You think so? 100%. There's no way it goes below six. I mean, no it'll way. It'll be a six-seven game series. Yeah. It is six, six to seven game, Two and two this year. The Sharks haven't had the best success in terms of offense against them, but when they have gone to overtime, which has happened twice, mm-hmm. they've won both of them. So I think that this is what's going to happen. Vegas wins game one, six to one. Mm. Some absurd score where they just dominate. Mm-hmm. Game two goes to the Sharks, two to one, two to one or something in overtime, and then from that point on, it just becomes this whole thing of 
well, Vegas is dominating, but all of a sudden we're in a, the Sharks lead the series 3-2. Like, well, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Vegas doesn't have the same magic that they have last year. No. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury is a different animal in the playoffs. But as long as the Sharks can have any sort of competent goaltending out of Martin Jones, if Eric Carlson is anything close to 100% healthy, if he's even 80% healthy, the Sharks are built to beat Vegas. Everybody's got a Joe Thornton story for the playoffs, too. So yeah, that'll, that'll work in their favor, I mean, maybe. This year he had, what, the most goals, the most goals in the season for – in three years, four years. Mm-hmm. So he, he's picking it back up, too. I'm thinking that the Sharks are going to take that first-round series. Uh, you look at Pittsburgh and New York, the Islanders. That is the series. That's going to be a tough one yeah. for either team. That's, that's the one where I think it could go either way. Mm-hmm. That's the only one where I'm like, the, I don't know. I have no idea which team. I think it's a coin flip between who's going to move on. But I'd actually be surprised if it goes seven games. I think that one of them is going to start to emerge and show dominance over the other throughout the series. I don't think it's going to go more than six. You know, I think either one of those teams, you know, I could say that I think either is going to win and I wouldn't be far off base. But I do think that at some point, one of them is going to just assert dominance over the other during this postseason series. As much as a coin flip as it is, I don't think it's going to go seven. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I'm hoping it's Pittsburgh, though. <laughs> yeah. I, Pittsburgh is better, right? They're they just straight be. up better. They should be. But they squeezed into the playoffs mm-hmm. in the last week of the season. They, they're, they've, they're not the same team. Sid, the kid, isn't necessarily 100% flat out the best player on that team. You got Gwensel. Uh, you think that Sid's not the best player in Pittsburgh? I think it. I, that's not what I said. What I said was <laughs> it's not clear that he is. I, uh, 100% I think he yeah. is. But arguments can be made for other people. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Jake Gensel, guy who mm-hmm. grew up in my area. Uh, Evgeny Malkin, Phil Kessel. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have such a great team. And even even Latang, I think. Yeah. Just, not, not from a statistics standpoint, but just being able to control the puck and his plus minus speaks for itself. When he's good, I mean, the team is good. I mean, he's mm-hmm. one of those guys where their success really does seem to rely on him. And, you know, Matt Murray, if you keep him clean, give him a clean crease, he will win you some games. Mm-hmm. The, the big difference between the Penguins now and even last year as compared to three and four years ago when they were winning the Stanley Cup is the depth. I mean, they were so much deeper back then. They're great on the top yeah, lines, wasn't but their they're th- top. Their heavy. third center was Jordan Stahl or something like that? They, that, was, that was a little bit longer. Okay. Uh, they had the HBK line that was working for them. They had mm-hmm. Haglin, Benino, Kessel oh, in the third yeah. line. I loved Benino. I know. I miss Benino a ton, and he's out there helping Nashville make their yeah. run. Uh, but they, they have great center depth. They always have had good depth at the center position. Uh, unfortunately, it's just not you know, translating to the entire unit for them. They're not as deep as they were back when they were the cup favorites. Mm-hmm. I, this is, is going to be the year, I think. You think so? I think this is going to be the year where Pittsburgh sort of takes a step back. No, I'm, I'm sorry, Tim. No, I know. I know. I, I think the New York Islanders, personally in my bracket, I have the Islanders going, in, going ahead in six, I mm-hmm. think, because... New York has so much to play for. Mm-hmm. They want to prove that they're they're not going to fall apart without John Tavares. Right. right. Meanwhile, the Penguins have just seemingly over the past three years, ever since they won their second cup in a row, have just slowly sort of faded into they they're have, still a good team. They progressed backwards, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I think it's going to take one or two more great players for them to sort of get back into their one or two great young players, I will say. So I, I, I don't think this is the year where they, you know, return to the promised land, but give them three or four more years and I think they get somebody. And Barry Trotz, adding him as head coach over New York, he has done wonders for that team, mm-hmm. coming off a cup championship with Washington. Real quick, before we sign off, the NHL draft lottery was last night. First of all, do you like the system that the NHL uses? You take all 15 teams that didn't make the playoffs, you weight them based on where they did finish, and then you have a random drawing. Uh, you like that system? Sounds a lot like the NBA system. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but everybody who didn't make the playoffs is involved mm-hmm. in it. Eh. Eh. Yeah, I know. I, 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 There's stuff I like about it. Maybe I mean, some stuff I don't. But it's you know it's I, always a developing. I thing. will say I like that every team is involved. Yeah, that didn't make the playoffs because a team that really, really, really tried to get in and just missed out. Mm-hmm. I think they deserve just. I think they deserve uh, a chance at the first overall pick just as much as a team that was just like, not this year. Mm-hmm. Let's just throw everything out the window, right? Well, it ends up being New Jersey who gets the top overall pick, so basically that means Jack Hughes is going to be playing for New Jersey this year. Uh, New York, the Rangers got number two, Chicago three, Colorado four, L.A. five, and Detroit gets to pick at number six. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what they can I mean, get out of that. when was the last time the number six overall pick made anything in the NHL? I feel like, yeah. to- I feel like the top three always end up being something good or like Right. You great. get to the point where maybe the top two, three, they play right away. They get to mm-hmm. the NHL immediately. And beyond that, you're probably going to have to wait a few years. Maybe there's one guy that you get late in the first round I mean, that I mean, by the end of the year he's up. I, I don't know. For me, it's those first three guys and then undrafted guys. Yeah. I mean, Artemi Panarin was great. Yeah. I mean, he's been great. He's still great. Mm-hmm. And he was undrafted. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, you take a look at every rookie of the year from, like, the past, since, like, 2000, you could say. Mm-hmm. And it's always one of those top two, top two, three guys. That'd be a great question to find out. I might do that once we sign off. Who is the best number six overall pick in the NHL draft or who has done the most lately? Yeah. I don't know. I'll go back and look through a few <laughs> draft charts. Appreciate you as always, my man. Looking Thanks, forward man. to having next week. Of course. Yeah, I always love to be here. That's it for us here in the Sports Pen. For John Michael Hoefling, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening on ESPN-UP-WZIM. Ishpeming Marquette.